Hello and welcome back to Remember This, a nostalgia podcast where we revisit all the things that made the 90s and noughties brilliant. From kids TV shows to niche movies, toys, games and everything in between. I'm Matt Bentley-Viney and this afternoon I am joined by... Gemma Bentley-Viney. How are you Gemma? I'm good. It's my first official day of being furloughed. Yeah, furloughed. So... Yeah. She's furloughed, my lord. She's furloughed. It's been all right. Did some watercolours. You did some drawing. Yeah. I feel like I've turned into a toddler. <laughs> you Add well, some cheese and apples. Because when we walk Meg in the streets, um, everyone's doing the lovely thing of who's got kids, where they're putting a little picture out for the NHS and saying thank you and it's the rainbow and everything. So I said to you, well, let's see if you're better than them. I'm not. And it's a similar standard, <laughs> but that's okay. It's very nice. And I've had an incredibly stressful 16 hours, I'd say. I've got incredibly painful blisters on my thumb. And that is from excessive plunging. So <laughs> our bath and sink decided, no, we're not going to accept water anymore. We're just going to fill up and never go away. It did go away, though, eventually. Long story short, I managed <laughs> to get it fixed and it wasn't fun. And there was like dog hair, Gemma's hair, my hair and gunk just all over me. So it was like the scene from American Psycho where he's wearing the, but you the overalls wearing... and he's covered with blood. But I'm splattered with muck. Yeah. So but other than that, we've been enjoying the TV show quiz. Yes, very good. Very, very good. Been enjoying that. And I read the book Daisy Jones and the Six. Very hyped up novel. And I can see why it is my favorite thing I've read in ages. Very, very unique way of storytelling. It is almost like they're creating a biography about a band and why they split up. And they have interviews with all the different members of the band and the producers and groupies to kind of tell the story. But it's it's all fictional. But it was very very good i read it in about a day and a half i've been reading shirley jackson a collection of short stories featuring her most famous the lottery which is the final story so i'm building up to that but i've read some really good ones i love short stories actually i would highly recommend if you can get your hands on like some dark short stories well doll does some good ones yeah he does actually he's got a collection i've read them I would recommend it because you feel like you've accomplished something and you could only have read two pages, yeah. but you've read a short that's why story. You like it. Angela I love Carter it. is another good one for short stories. Yeah, that that's kind of our isolation chat. I hope finished you all had a puzzle. A, yes, we finished a puzzle. Well done us. Hope you all had a lovely Easter. Forgot it was Easter, isn't that sad? Well, we had four days off. I just forget yeah, but I mean all days are the same now, aren't they? No. We did a puzzle and watched some stuff and Skyped family and friends. Yeah. We've been doing a lot of quizzes. Yeah, we were. My general knowledge is going to be really good. At the end of this, my general knowledge is going to be really good. And we're all going to have really weird hobbies. That's definitely true. Isn't it? But this episode, we are talking about a BBC classic. And to be honest, even the book it's based on is also a classic. Yeah. And Bananas in Pyjamas. Another classic. Which... I didn't realise until we started watching, it's Australian. I don't think I've ever watched Bananas in Pyjamas. When I saw it, when we watched it, I'm like, I think I'm watching this for the first time. Yeah, but everyone watched Bananas in Pyjamas. I did. I don't know. I think it's one of those Mandela effects. Oh, maybe. Everyone but, knows the characters, don't they? Everyone knows the bananas. Well, it's based off a very, very famous song. So it's, that's what they wrote all about. The Bananas in Pyjamas theme song came first. Ah, because I always think of the theme song being like Mop a Top Shop, Bananas in Pajamas, We Are the Bananas, We're in the Pajamas. You should put the two songs next to each other. They are similar, I think they? they are the exact same beat, you are right. And that's Mopper Top copying Bananas in Pyjamas because 
they based the Disney can do they, what they want. Yeah, they based it off the song. I think it is definitely a Mandela effect where because you are so aware, everyone knows the bananas and pajamas, and then you just assume you've seen it. That's interesting. It's very Shane Dawson. Similar to kind of Nelly the Elephant. I think because, um, again, Nelly the Elephant was all based off a famous kind of nursery song. Everyone thinks they've seen it. No, I didn't think I'd seen Nelly the Elephant. I, I always get Nelly confused with Elmo. It's because it's a book. Elmo? Elma? El- Elma, the, Elma Elba. No, it's, I think it's Elma. I think it's Elma the Elephant or Elmo. I don't know. The Patchwork Elephant. Matt, would you like to introduce the story of Tracy Beaker? The story of Tracy Beaker is a British television programme series adapted from the book of the same name by Jacqueline Wilson. It ran on CBBC for five series from 2002 to 2005 and also contained a feature-length episode, Tracy Beaker's Movie of Me, broadcast in 2004, as well as a week of interactive episodes for children in need. The theme song was written and performed by Kesha White. Tracy Beaker is Jacqueline Wilson's most popular character. However, she is not Wilson's personal favourite. Oh, there's no information to back that up, but we'll just have to take them on their word for her. The Tracy Beaker books were the most loaned books in the public libraries in the United Kingdom between 2000 and 2010. So Gemma, Tracy Beaker. Um, this is the one I was probably the most nervous about rewatching because it is such a big part of my kind of adolescence. I've said it like to people before, whenever we talk about Jacqueline Wilson, if it ever comes up, for me personally, I probably learnt more from Jacqueline Wilson than I did from any of my teachers. Well, you went to meet her at Castle Point, didn't you? I waited like seven hours. Maybe it wasn't seven, it was six. We Where's waited the photo? hours. I want to see this photo. No, I mean, we never had a photo taken. Why? Oh, because it was the it era was before. before selfies. No, I don't think anyone was taking photos. We just, I got offered a chocolate and she signed like, some books for she me. She gave you a chocolate. She gave me a chocolate. And oh, that's lovely. She's like a little old grandma. I went to the book signing for her book, Best Friends. And there's a character in it called Gemma. So that's oh. exciting for me. And I think she also signed the Worry website and the Lottie Project for me as well. Have you got them still? Where yes, are they? They're back at my parents' house. Might be worth something one day. It says to Gemma. Still. Yeah, but it's one of those moments where we've committed to already queuing for a certain amount of time. Yeah, you, you have think, to well, see I've already it lost two hours. Yeah, exactly. Something. Well, we might as well wait it out now. And she's wearing loads of rings. She always wore loads and loads of rings. Um, Jacqueline Wilson, which is really cool. And um, yeah, for me, you know, all of her books and the TV show Tracy Beaker always were very standout for me. I always thought they're really, really good. I was always so excited when she released a new novel or if any of her other books were being adapted, such as The Illustrated Mum, when that was adapted. It was like a big thing for me growing up was definitely Mm. Jacqueline Wilson. Well, I conversely didn't really, I never watched it, but I knew who Tracy Beaker was. Do you know who Jacqueline Wilson was? Yes, because everyone obsessed about going to Castle Point. Do you remember that then? Yes, vividly. I vividly (laughs) remember loads of people going and they're all talking about, oh, I'm going to Castle Point. Because it was after school. So everyone's like, oh, you're going after school to meet Jacqueline Wilson. We're like, yeah. And obviously I, I... really knew the illust- like the art on the books there was yeah. a very i think is it nick sharrett i M- think maybe i was never a big fan of them no me neither but i mean i knew it it yeah. was very stand out mm-hmm. and i knew tracy beaker from actually i knew the tv show to be honest i didn't watch it i knew the like main character i knew that the frizzy curly hair not frizzy that's a that's an insult isn't it? She, she'd, she'd, she'd refer to it as frizzy in the books and I don't know why I didn't watch it. I think maybe on reflection, it was too mature for me at that age because it's very serious. Came out in 2002. So we were how old? I was 11. So I'd have been 9, 10, which sounds about right. Yeah, I I didn't really know of it that much. So I, I came to this fresh. Yeah. And I was surprised at just how adult... I mean, I shouldn't have been surprised because obviously we've read... The Illustrated Mum for the mm-hmm. pilot of this podcast. And maybe we should release that one day. I don't know. Maybe we should actually release a lot of our pilot ones during the coronavirus as like bonus episodes. Yeah, maybe we should. So if you want us to do that, we can. I mean, they're a lot longer and we read a whole book. So it's in depth, but 
it's, it's yeah maybe we'll do that but having read the illustrated mum i should have known how serious it was going to be because jacqueline wilson's brilliant at making those hard-hitting issues relatable to kids yeah well every single one that's definitely what she was most known for is kind of her serious topics and tracy beaker even though it's very serious it's probably the least serious of her books and it's set in a bloody care home yeah well foster home you know a lot of her other books dealt with kind of abusive parents it dealt with their mum someone of their mum's got cancer them having to run away from someone who was abusive there was kind of anorexia there was pressure to drink pressure to have sex at a young age oh they had God. a whole um book about those sort of things no. yeah girls no. under pressure girls out late girls in love kind of dealt with that situation so i can see where the argument comes in where parents don't want their kids reading or watching it because you're trying to shield them aren't you from mm. like like me then i'm like no <laughs> that stuff doesn't happen that's horrible but of course it does it is she was and when kind of doing the research for this episode is there's so many kind of articles mainly from the daily mail but it is a very very divisive where it was a lot of people it was around the playground parents talking the some of the parents would absolutely love tracy beaker and other ones would say oh no she's banned in our house really i actually i had friends and i knew of people where jacqueline wilson was banned i knew someone who had the simpsons band i thought what a sad life i know someone who had simpsons fan too really yeah that's that's so sad (laughs) simpsons is brilliant also it is understandable i've just got up kind of the age range of who watched and read tracy beaker and those are i'd imagine it's like 10 to 16 yeah 90 percent girls aged between eight and 14 eight yeah i'd say it's about right that's that's young to be reading about abuse and alcoholism and sex and that's that's very young well she kind of had different books um, aimed at different people so they had one like that was the mum minder which was aimed probably at the eight-year-olds where it was her mum is a child minder and it's a girl who obviously has to deal with that kind of jealousy of having to share a lot of her things with the children then her mum gets ill and she looks after her mum oh that's really sad and there's another one where it's called the sleepover where it's like the alphabet club and all of these girls i think they all have like that all names begin with c or it's like one begins with a one begins with b one begins with c so it's like they're the alphabet club and they all have sleepovers and it gets very kind of competitive you know oh this one's not invited to the sleepover that sounds a lot fluffier yeah but it's still kind of dealing with kind of bullying feeling left out and kind of comparison so they weren't all like shit hits the fan the last one i read was love lessons and i think it would have probably been around the age 14 and that one was very much aimed at some like an eight-year-old could not and should not read love lessons where the main premise is a girl who has an emotionally abusive dad he ends up having a stroke and he's so he goes from being a very overpowering person to kind of not having them having to look after him and she then becomes infatuated with her art teacher and starts to kind of sexualize and romanticize her teacher relationship with him oh my god yeah so that you know an eight-year-old shouldn't really read that one though yeah so tracy beaker was kind of middle of the road then i would say one of the younger ones i think tracy beaker's you'd probably be about 10 okay that kind of makes sense because the tv show i think for people in britain the actress who plays tracy is iconic yeah she does a really good job because she doesn't she hasn't really gone on or to do much else to do anything else her biggest and most famous thing she will ever do is it will be tracy beaker but what an amazing thing for it to be because you know tracy beaker is you know it's tracy beaker returns you've got then had the dumping ground it's still you know relevant to kids now you know i did a um internship at the magazine girl talk a couple of years ago and it was still all about the dumping ground all about jacqueline wilson even then it was an interview of jacqueline wilson talking about the dumping ground on tv and people kind of you know children writing into the magazine about that so you know it's really she's got just as much as a hold now as she did back then well isn't that amazing i think you know i'm not going to compare it to jk rowling but it will have that sort of same not many people have been able to captivate that amount of children I've always been so surprised they've never tried to do a kids show for Harry Potter. I think it's because it'll be too, too expensive. It'll be, yeah, it's too much going on. They, they wouldn't be able to do it to a high quality. 
That's uh, what I but think. that's always surprised me that they've or never done it. A cartoon version. Yeah, maybe a cartoon version, but I've just it's and it's you, know, you don't have Harry and Ron and everyone, but it just in that world, it's always surprised. JK me. probably doesn't allow it. JK's like, nah, you don't taint this. So Danny Harmer is who plays yes. Tracy. I just I couldn't remember her name. I always so. want to say Danny Harper. I mean, that's not far off to be no. fair. And she does a brilliant performance in this because she must be so young yeah. when she's playing Tracy to begin with. And it's all on um, iPlayer, by the way, guys. So definitely go and watch it. Mm-hmm. She does a really good job of... It's a really complicated character, actually. Yes. It's very difficult for her to convey those deep, complex feelings because basically Tracy's main characteristic, is she's a liar. Yeah. She tells fibs. But compulsive. Mm-hmm. So it's like every anecdote is a lie, yeah. essentially. And it's all masking her real feelings. I think the TV show does such a good job, and as does the books as well, because and I think this is why Jacqueline Wilson is so good. And I think this is what's so good about kind of the BBC kids TV shows they produce is that she is a complex character. And I think when you compare it to the likes of kind of the more Disney one, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, Hannah Montana, iCarly, they are relatively one-dimensional characters that they create. Zoe 101, I would add to that as well. Exactly. And Unfabulous, out. even though I love Unfabulous, they're a lot more one-dimensional. Whereas with a lot of the ones made by the CBB- CBBC, especially kind of Tracy Beaker, and obviously this is what Jackie Wilson does so well, is the characters are so complex. There's so many layers to them. Mm. They're very well drawn out, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So in this episode, it is, it's a pilot episode we watch and it starts off with Tracy returning to the foster, the care home, which is, she refers to as the dumping ground. So it shows her return and she's very bullshy. She's very loud. She like storms in. Well, it's the talk of the home because they hear that she's just pulled into the driveway and I was like, mm. oh, Tracy's back. Oh no, is she back? Is she back? And it's like a real drama yeah. that she's returned. And she storms in. And then realizes her room's been taken. And she's really upset that her room's been taken and can't quite, you know, believe that. And is fuming that she has to take another room. And it is her nemesis, well, her future, soon to be nemesis, Justine Littlewood, who has taken her room. That's such an iconic name, isn't it? Justine Littlewood. It is. She's an iconic character. And her best friend, Louise, is now best friends with Justine Littlewood. And Do you know Louise's surname? No. Is it just Justine Littlewood? Yeah. <laughs> and with Louise, there's actually quite a sweet little moment. See, this is where there's just so many layers to everything. She's not necessarily ditched Tracy Beaker when she kind of, because um, the kind of leader of the MK sort of says, oh, Tracy's back. You thought you'd want to know. And she's like, well, she's not spoken to me since she got, you know, fostered. She never, never wrote to me. So again, there's all of these layers where you, kind of you sympathize with everyone everyone's kind of doing things within reason and you see the moment when they sort of say oh why are you back Tracy and she then you see her tell an elaborate lie and then it cuts to and I used to hate this growing up though they'd cut to then a cartoon version oh well like the animated little yeah. interlude in the same style as the illustrations yes in the book so they then go so that's always illustration parts always are showing what she's is saying is happening so it's this her fantasy version she's saying oh I decided it wasn't working out like they got another baby and I was like oh I don't like babies so I had to tell them that I wanted to get like taken back to the dumping ground and they were like in floods of tears and it shows the cartoons of them crying and then straight after it shows the really really happened in a slightly more grainy kind of color gradient and it's them kind of telling Tracy it's not working out and oh, Tracy really crying sad, isn't it? it that's really tragic and that all happens in like the first kind of five minutes of the pilot episode it's a, it's a brilliant way to introduce the, the protagonist of that show it's so clever and it's so sad yeah and exactly it's so conflicting she's putting on such a brave face exactly and it really justifies all actions from all of the characters there's a justification even when they're doing something really horrible it's very important to kind of the shows the writers and Jacqueline Wilson for them to kind of show kind of the audience and the children the reasons behind these actions and that you know it could just be all oh, Tracy's acting out again instead it is a bit like but why is that and there's all they always kind of make sure they show that element 
so and she also has a really sweet relationship with a lot of the people that work at the um care home and she's kind of saying why can't you just adopt me and then he kind of has a nice response and she kind of laughs saying i was only joking as if i'd want you to adopt me and it's, it, it's a fun little like dysfunctional family in the in the foster home isn't it exactly and then it shows her going into her old room and messing around with Justine's stuff. And this happens in the book, I remember as well. And she picks up this clock where it's got like a cat woman on it. It's a very odd looking clock, but she picks up a little clock and accidentally breaks it. And you can see it's an accident, accidentally happens. She freaks out, puts it back and runs out. And then Justine discovers it, instantly knows it's Tracy, you know, Tracy's trouble. But worse than that, it was a gift from her dad. Exactly. So she's going, Justine's going absolutely crazy saying, what if my dad sees this? What if my dad finds out? And obviously watching as an adult, we're so kind of aware that the dad wouldn't care. You know, I think watching it when you're younger, that that might not fully register with you that well, he's not going to care. He's not going to notice. Like he might probably doesn't even remember buying you that clock. Mm. And I think it's kind of sad watching it with that perspective as an adult, because they kind of don't drum that into you in this episode like well he doesn't care anyway that's never kind of mentioned they managed to get some people to fix it like there's these two guys i think one of them's called bouncer i know that's a bit later on actually in tracy beaker they say they've got some characters where they're like yeah we'll fix it for you yeah that's all right yeah they're like they're two little geezers yeah oh yeah all right then first one's on the ass yeah and I was like, okay well done so they fix it for her and then justine's waiting for her dad and he's late and Tracy kind of tries to do something nice where she kind of goes in and sort of says, I used to wait here for hours for my mum, you know, and you then see her start this very elaborate story, which is ongoing throughout kind of all Tracy Beaker episodes. That her mum is a famous actress in L.A. And that's why she doesn't come see her. And Justine kind of says that's a load of rubbish. And then her dad does turn up and you can kind of see that kind of odd dynamic because you sort of think, oh, then maybe they're going to bond over this. And you can see it's kind of hard for Tracy to kind of be vulnerable if Justine's try and sympathize mm. with her and then see that her dad does turn up. Yeah, she's jealous about it, a bit yeah. bitter. And then you see a very sad little conversation with her and Louise watching out the window, Justine with her dad. And Tracy's like, well, he's just this old, bald, ugly, fat man. And then Louise sort of like, well, I take that you know, over he nobody. showed over nobody. And it's a very kind of sad little moment. And it does end up with Tracy apologizing. Oh, but there's a really funny way they do yeah. that because there's like three different types of apologies she gives. The first one is like, uh, it's, it's well, she's told to do it. Mm-hmm. And she walks into the breakfast and goes, I'm sorry, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it literally so out. loud. It, it was like um, an apologies from the book of Gemma saying sorry. That's what I loved about <laughs> it. I was actually, like, oh, it's my wife. <laughs> she actually says sorry though, so. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's true. Because then the second one, I think she does a really passive aggressive sorry. So she gets up on a car with a, like a mic, like a, um, Oh, speakerphone. speakerphone. So all she has all of the witnesses and they all like look out their windows. She says sorry and she stood on a car. But it's really funny the way she does it. It's like, I, Tracy Beaker, tell you, Justine Littlewood, I am sorry. <laughs> and then the kind of manager comes out saying, get off my car. So then she repeats it going, I, Tracy yeah. Beaker, <laughs> apologize for saying sorry to Justine on your car. And there's so much going on because there's also a subplot where she meets a new friend out in town. She yes. leaves. He's actually in Harry Potter. Oh my God, yeah, I recognize him. He plays it. the guy who does the commentating yeah. for the Quidditch. Oh my God. He's also a contestant in Project Catwalk many years ago. Really? Well, did he turn into a model? No, a fashion designer. But yeah, there's an interesting subplot with him where she's left the foster home just for... I think she runs away. Oh, she ran away. Mm. She's being rebellious. I think this is when they're trying to make her say sorry. And she bumps into this guy and he's got loads of sweets. He's got a Walkman. He's got a Walkman. He's, he's got, got a mobile. And he's always hinting that he's stolen it. Because it's like, oh, where'd you get that from? So oh, I don't tell my sources. Yeah, he's like, oh, I don't, better, better not say. Yeah. And he tells Tracy that he lives, that he lives on the streets. So because mm. they're, they're in a bus shelter. He's like, well, you see my gaff. Why can't I see yours? So she, and she lies to him. So she's sort of saying she has all of these people looking after her because she's like a spy. Yeah. And she needs like 
guardians looking after all the time. So she's kind of, you see her telling her lies. So I don't think, um, I think his name's Luke. He wasn't a character, not that I remember, in the books. The book. In the book. He was not a character in the book, from my memory anyway. And I remember it very clearly because he is, appears a lot in the first series of Tracy Beaker. And it's very interesting. And I remember finding the kind of reveal very shocking. Oh, I was shocked when yeah. you told me. Because I was like, oh, so what's this guy's game then? So he, and she then sort of says, yeah, okay, you can like come over um, to the care home for tea. And they're obviously like, no, like you can't just bring a friend back. That's not how it works. And um, so they kind of have an argument with like that. And she tries to hide him away. And, you know, there's kind of little comical bits and he ends up being a figure in the first series and he becomes Tracy's really, really good friend. She ends up kind of confiding him in lots of different things. And then she learns that actually he doesn't live on the streets. He comes from a very wealthy home with very wealthy, loving parents. And they're away a lot, working very hard and buy him all of these presents and that he's lied to her. So I think it's very interesting seeing... Well, the effect of someone lying to her, it's, it's almost getting a taste of her own medicine, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's really good how they've kind of balanced it out in the sense that, you know, she's lying to make her life sound better. Yeah, I've got this mum, she's a famous actress in LA. Yeah, I have all of these people looking after me. They're like guardians. They have to like protect me and well, stuff because I'm important. Isn't it? Yeah. And then he's doing it in the whole opposite way as in kind of saying, oh yeah, I live on the streets, not living in a very suburban middle-class home. Isn't it funny? So many people do that today. Yeah. So I know people who do that. Oh, 100%. And it's, a, it's obviously a psychology thing, isn't it? But it's really interesting seeing that here in a kid's show. And it's very tragic, isn't it? It is very tragic. I think it's so clever that they've done that. And again, it's kind of what a complex character, you know, Luke is to do that and to kind of show his reasoning. I just think it's so brave from the writers to do that. Definitely. And I actually knew a guy who... Basically, we all were a bit scared of him and he used to talk himself up as a drug dealer and things like that. And I was like, oh, my God. And then it was really odd because he used to act all hard and everything. I mean, we saw him get picked up and it was in like the poshest car and the mum was like lovely. I always used to find it fascinating parents evening mm. when you would see the kind of the very difficult kids that would swear a lot pretend they don't care we went to like a comprehensive but we went in it was in a very kind of suburban nice area that we went to our comprehensive school and it was always very interesting on parents evening when you would see these often quite aggressive kind of kids who would swear at teachers never hand in homework and then they'd be with these kind of lovely parents both sat side by side all kind of dressed up because it's parents evening and you'd see how different the kids were as well they'd all be really meek I remember they'd be like oh hi and I'm like why are you saying hi to me do you know what I mean I remember literally sometimes thinking don't say hi to me yeah. as if you're like this normal nice person you're an absolute terror don't be going hi oh, hello there and literally it'd be like a different voice and I'm like what is this <laughs> so for me this is coming completely fresh and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. Again, it's another one of those where I wish I'd watched it when I was younger. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, re-watching it for me, the acting isn't great. I will admit that. Like when you, if you're like, oh, I'm going to re-watch it based on this. The acting's not great, guys, but it's the pilot and they mm. are kids and they get better, all right? Later on, Bob they Oxford. have, <laughs> later on they have um, the actor from Summerine. Craig Roberts. And he plays, like he always wears a bandana in it. And he, he went on to be, he's quite a big actor. He's in big movies now. He's, he's a director as well. There you go. I think kind of Trace Speaker was a very important show. I think there's a reason Jacqueline Wilson, there's you know. There's a reason why girls will queue for seven hours at Castle Point to yeah. get a signed book. And I think, so I saw an interesting article. It was from the Daily Mail and it was all about that kind of, Tracy Beaker effect and the fact that Jacqueline Wilson was banned in certain households and Jacqueline Wilson was not allowed in certain households and I think um you can look it into two different ways so there was a Daily Mail article and it was a personal column and it was all about how her son had started kind of taking on the characteristics of Tracy Beaker he was starting to say bog off to his mum he was throwing tantrums more lying more shouting more and she was calling it the Tracy Beaker effect 
Mm. And I was like, but you can interpret this in such different ways. And I think it's completely down to the individual watching. And I think, you know, some kids sadly probably would watch it and think, oh, that's funny. I'm going to repeat that. But for the most of it, I think it shows, it teaches empathy to children and kind of shows the complexity of different people and well, different lives because you're in a bubble at that time, aren't you? You're in a bubble, and you'll know all you of the different things like you. about your friends. But mm. then the people maybe you're not friends with, you won't know those different levels of them. So I think you know some people, yeah, they might with Tracy Beaker and then start copying her. But then there'll be other ones, and they'll genuinely then be a lot more empathetic and a lot more understanding of other people's situations. And I think the column ended on kind of a note where it was, you know, she reminding her son that you don't live in a care home you live in a middle-class you know household with a, you know parents that love you I think if anything that's why you should be watching Tracy Beaker even if you sort of think oh I'm worried my son's gonna copy the language it should be but then a lot of you know eight-year-olds might not even really fully understand what a care home is yep, and then they'll learn from this what it is and realize actually you know it's kind of being self-aware self-aware of your privilege and it was also um Tracy Beaker was a big hit with people that were in kind of foster homes and care homes oh, because it was nice to see them like kind of situated exactly represented and it did well in that aspect as well so i think all round not only did it teach other people their privilege but then it also gave people who weren't from privileged backgrounds and upbringing kind of something to relate to oh no it, i mean it ticks the boxes doesn't it yeah. and the only thing I think you could maybe drop a mark for it is where the entertainment factor. I wasn't that like gripped by it, but then yeah, I'm a 28 year old guy now, so it's not. I think it did quite. It isn't at me. that gripping, but the long storyline of Luke is really gripping. Like, I remember yeah. when we. I remember the episode where you find out, and it is like, oh my god, it is like a big deal. And there's also episodes where people do get you know adopted and fostered and. Um, Tracy gets fostered by Cam and you have those episodes you see her relationship with Cam her relationship with Cam grow and her then like move out and trial things to Cam so it is there's a lot of things in the long run that will grip you whereas in this episode kind of amongst all the big situations and big things happening it does kind of focus on those kind of small things but that are a big deal to you when you're little like going in and breaking the clock yeah. you know when you when you're eight that could be a big thing in your day Oh, no, definitely. What did you think of the theme tune? Theme song's okay. I always I remember it. So I do think it is quite interesting. It's very, um, well, it's very of the time. Did you it? know it? Yeah. Even though you didn't watch Tracy Beaker? Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> and Stormzy did <laughs> use it in a track. Yeah, I know Sample he did. Sample it. He did, yeah. I said it last week or the week before and I was like, oh, I don't know if this is true, but it is it true. Is, it is true. But I do think it is something that CBBC do really, really well. And obviously it's, you know, based kind of from the BBC in how it is important to them to kind of show not idyllic TV shows. It's not all kind of cutesy sound of music. Even the sound of music actually was quite complex. But, you know, it's not all perfect idyllic situations. And that only really came in to play in the very late 70s and early 80s before then it was all kind of flowery incredibly classic stories told using very very posh posh white children's voices and it wasn't kind of until Grange Hill which actually you know when that started and it was showing uh, real different kids real kids real lives and real stories and I think you can you know definitely kind of see how that has impacted kids tv shows now however i would say it's a still a very very british thing i think comparing it to the kind of shiny american kids tv shows mm. their problems you know emma roberts has a whole episode because she's got flat hair and it's photo day <laughs> and unfabulous that's a whole episode whereas you could never in a million years see that being an episode of a british kids tv show you know tracy beaker grange hill biker grove you would never see an episode where it is all about beauty pageant or i've got flat hair and it's photo day i, I know i know what you mean it, there's a more it's a gritty realism to it as opposed to the glossy flat hair so i do think that is very interesting i think that is something as kind of british if you're a british consumer that is something we should be quite grateful for i think that's pretty cool that we kind of created those sort well, of things perhaps that's why british people are so cynical 
whereas mm. Americans are usually quite, you know, see not see the good in everything, but think everything could be amazing. The American dream. Well, yeah, exactly. But what would you give it out of 10? I think I'd give it a seven. I think I might give it a nine. Wow. I was going to say an eight, but you know, I'm going to give it a nine because I think everything it stands for, the characters, Cam who ends up fostering her, even the adult characters, they're flawed. And it shows um, a lot of the people who work there leaving, their reasons for leaving, leaving, the kids feeling abandoned by these mm. decisions. All of the characters, you know, have all these different complex things. I think it's very well written. The acting's pretty good. Theme song's pretty good. I like what it stands for. And like Matt said, it is all on BBC iPlayer. So go and have a gander. Yeah, if you've got more time or if you kind of know any kind of children that are bored, I think, you know, maybe this is the time to introduce any kind of nephews, nieces, children of your own to Jacqueline Wilson. But Gemma, would you like to introduce the second show today, which is Bananas in Pyjamas? I'd be delighted to. Bananas in Pyjamas is an Australian children's television series that premiered on 20th of July 1992 on ABC. It has since become syndicated in many different countries and dubbed into other languages in the United States. The pyjamas in the title was modified to reflect the American spelling pyjamas. This aired in syndication from 1995 to 1997 as a half an hour series then became a 50-minute show paired with short-lived 50-minute series, The Crayon Box. The concept was inspired by the success of the song Banana in Pyjamas, written by Carrie Blyton in 1967 on Play School. This song, which has become a regular item on Play School, became the theme of the new series. Quick note, that is the Australian version of Play School, not the UK Play School. That was also very popular. The series then revamped in May 2011, in a CGI animated series created by Southern Star Entertainment. I can't believe that was only it was only on for like two years. That seems mad. Rewatching it, I believe that. <laughs> no, but I thought it was like an institution. Like it, it's huge. That's why I suggested it because I thought it would be massive. I think everybody knows them. Like if it were you were at a pub quiz, right, and there was a picture of them, you would know bananas in oh, pajamas. Exactly. Their imagery of them and their, you know, the bananas in their kind of the striped, stripy classic pajamas. Who were their friends again? So it was you... Teddy's, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that's it. So isn't it like Lulu Teddy? No, but the setup is Tom Teddy. It's two bananas in pajamas. B one and B two. B one and B two. Which I thought was to do I, vitamins. I thought was a really clever little vitamin joke, but it's not. It's just banana one, banana two. And then you got Teddies around them, and they're all. So they're all played, but it's like live action and it's all humans yeah. in... So it's like tweenies, teddy teletubbies. and banana suits. That must have been quite fun, actually. Oh, they looked so cheap. It must have been so hot in Australia it, as well. It just... <laughs> I boiling. thought when researching it, they kind of compared the way it was made and the style to tweenies and teletubbies. Yeah. So I guess it was almost the boilerplate for that. It, yeah. It was the origins. But banana pajamas look so cheap and awful compared to teletubbies and tweenies. I'm sorry. No... It was funny as well because the theme of this episode was the game Sardines, which I only know from Inside Number Nine. Yes. So I knew a very dark version of that. I was like, oh my God. I'm the same as you. I associate the game Sardines solely with a very twisted episode of Inside Number Nine, which you should all watch, by the way. It's the pilot of Inside Number Nine. I've already had a message from one of our listeners who then binge watched Inside Number Nine on my recommendation and was very pleased with the choice. Amazing. Other people, you're looking for things to watch. Inside number nine is the one. It is amazing. And the late series was really good too. But this is hard to talk about. I think Bananas and Pajamas is it's not a lot going on. I really. mean, do you want to say what happens? Do you remember what happens? Do you yeah, want me to give you a quick I think recap? I do. No, no, no. I think I do. So basically the bananas come down with the teddies and they play a game of sardines. And it's and a if sleepover. You, if you don't know what sardines is, it's a sleepover as well. And the sleepover, they are all trying to stay awake all night. That's the game. They're like One at Teddy in particular, who's very insistent. You, We're all staying up all night, guys. All night. That is quite funny because on so many sleepovers, we used to try and do that. Uh, we're never going, going to sleep. Come on. Come on. And I think we only ever managed it twice. And it was at the same guy's party. 
It was always his birthday party and we managed to do it by watching like four horror films. Well, then you were too scared to sleep. No, we'd just keep putting films on and be like, right, the next one. I bet you fell asleep during some of the films. No, because my mum would be very annoyed. I think all the parents were very annoyed, to be honest. So the next day you'd be absolutely knackered. No, they'd yeah. love it because then you'd be so knackered. You just want to no, sleep all day and they don't have to entertain you. No, but it doesn't really work like that because then they're not very well and you end up really hyper at night and it throws your body clock. Oh, true. It's, it's not good. So yeah, I resonated with that. I thought that was a funny aspect of this. And then the bananas are going to play the game Sardines where basically it's hide and seek. Once the person who's looking finds you, they have to like lie with you is that how it works i think no so it's hide and seek oh yeah how does it work i swear it's that because no is it one person hides that's it one person hides not everyone hides yes one person hides and then you're trying to find the person who's hiding and if you do you then start hiding with them and then the next person if they find the both of you the hiding place is awful. It's behind a sofa and it's the most obvious place. But with sardines though, because the best hiding places, I used to be really good at hide and seek, by the way, guys. I used to be really good at it. Is you have to find a really small space to hide yeah. because obviously... You're packed in like sardines. No, but like, no, when you're playing hide and seek on your own. So if you sort of think loads of people are going to have to be here as well, you can't hide yourself somewhere super small. There Everyone needs to be room. Everyone would try and go under the bed. Mm-hmm. I, I used to go in cupboards. I used to do cupboards and I'd hide myself behind all the coats so you can see me. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a rubbish game because the bananas are so long that their legs stick out. So I mean, the bananas looked ridiculous. They did look ridiculous. They all find kind of one another apart from the teddy. He's really wanting to go to sleep. And then when they're all hiding behind the sofa, packed in all cosy like sardines, they all fall asleep. It did look quite cosy when they were all lying there. I was like, oh, that'd be a nice place to fall asleep. And then the other teddy, he gets tired and sick of looking for them, ends up getting in his own bed <laughs> and falling asleep. What a rubbish game. And then they all wake up the next morning. They're obviously all like groggy because they've they've not they've slept on the floor with one another in some sort of weird yeah. sleeping group arrangement. arrangement. And then they go in, they're like, where's, where's Teddy Tom gone? And they go and he's asleep, sound asleep in his own comfy bed. And he was the one. They're like, oh, they were like, oh, I wonder if he did stay up all night. And then they're like, no. <laughs> no he did not and that's the end of the episode you don't really learn anything no. it's um not really entertaining i think it's a slight shame in the sense that it was it, but it's skewing very young it's a, it's aimed at a very young audience. oh yeah like it's you know with tracy beaker as an adult you can kind of get some sort of laugh or you could get emotional at it whereas this no i just think it's a shame that you've got bananas in pajamas why aren't they doing something more creative with it? But why are they called B1 and B2? Like, why didn't you name the bananas? Well, I've got no problem with that. My problem is that you, you've got such a license to do whatever you want. They're bananas. It could have been a bit like Mop a Top Shop because yeah. it's all so already surreal. They could have done anything. They don't need to make it like a realistic sleepover. No. And why didn't they have... Well, I guess it would have been just plagiarizing Toy Story, but I could imagine them being toys. They should have all been like a giant fruit bowl. And it's a fruit bowl come alive at night. Oh, that's quite good, actually. See, I've improved already. Yeah, I like that. What I think is a shame is because we, from watching, you know, if you are a regular listener, you'll know we're actually quite a big fan of kind of the nighttime kids TV shows. So the Clangers, which used to be shown right before the news um 64 zoo lane which was kind of the bedtime story that was kind of again one of the ones that was shown a bit later on and also funny bones which was set at the night time as well and was very kind of storybook-esque yeah and was set obviously overnight and obviously bananas in pajamas like it's going to be set at night night because they're in their pajamas you know it was like i'm sure maybe they do a few where it's first thing in the morning i don't know but it could have had that really nice aesthetic to it that a lot of nighttime shows have, or it could have had that really nice calming narration, but it didn't have any of that. I think it would have worked better as an animation. I think yeah. the idea is really good. Bananas and pajamas, you know, it's got a really good ring to it and mm. everything and it's very memorable. But w- when you've got people in costumes doing it, it's just, that only works when it's like a really upbeat TV show, yeah. like tweenies and things. It makes sense. Whereas in this, which like you say, it's a nighttime show, it doesn't work. Mm. It just doesn't... For me, anyway, it didn't work. 
and yeah, all the color is like I sort of said, it was quite loud and quite garish the colors. So it wasn't kind of aesthetically pleasing. The story was relatively cute. <laughs> I think I would give it a four. Oh, out. I think three. Actually, I was going to say, I'm, I'm giving kind. I'm giving it a three. And I do sort of think it's very interesting that they took this all from a song. Mm, and the song's good, to be the fair. The song is good. I'd give the song a seven. Exactly. Because it reminds me of Muppet Top Shop. It's great. Bananas, pajamas. It's brilliant. Yeah, so it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I don't really know what I expected. I thought it was going to be a bit more funny because like people slip on bananas. I don't know. I think it would get a bit repetitive, though, if it kept doing like slipping up jokes and banana peels. It has been, you know, proven in studies that the best way to kind of teach children things is kind of through comedy and through songs. And obviously you've got the really good song, Bananas and Pajamas, but they didn't add any extra songs. No. Whereas in the likes of Tots TV, Rosie and Jim. Mop a Top Shop. Mop a Top Shop. They all have songs during it as well. Whereas Bananas and Pajamas didn't do that, which I do think is quite strange considering it was all inspired from a song. Yeah, that's true. But Gemma... Did you watch Bananas in Pajamas? Was it on TV? Because I watched it. I, I know I did. I don't. I don't think I ever watched it. Like I said, I think it's definitely a Mandela effect with me. Whereas because they're such an iconic duo and you know the song, mm. but it might be you know we probably listened to it in Blimmin' Nursery. Yeah, or... maybe. I'm just trying to think where I watched it. What channel would it have been on? Why would we have had Australian? Well, it was on ABC. So it was, and it was sold to America. Yeah, but in the UK, what I wonder what it. it I imagine on. it would have been on like a CITV yeah, or maybe. a Channel Five. I think it would have been a. Ch- it's definitely not CBBC. I think this is like a Channel Five sort oh, of situation. If any of you know out there, if you could let us write in at remember this question mark at gmail dot com. That's question us, mark as in the word. Let us know because that's it's hurting my brain a bit. Like where where did we watch this? I think it's Mandela effect because I didn't recognise it. That's, I didn't that's recognize so the teddies. I was like, there's teddies yeah, in Yeah, I didn't remember the teddies. I'm telling that. you, this is the Mandela effect where it is. And if you're not familiar with the Mandela effect, that's. Do you want to explain what the Mandela effect is? Yeah, the Mandela effect is basically where a group, a collective, remember something that didn't actually happen. So the example given was that Nelson Mandela died in like the 90s, and of course he didn't. So with this, you know, everyone remembers watching it, but maybe we didn't. Maybe we just knew the, what it looked like. Yeah. Yeah, so that's one for Shane Dawson to solve. I feel like there would have been a lot of kind of merchandise from oh, this. Oh, definitely. I feel like there's definitely an argument. Um, it's something we might kind of look into further down the line as a whole service or to sell. Mm. Whereas kids TV shows either have are there to kind of serve you or to sell some things to you. And it's something that obviously the BBC were very much to serve. And then... A lot of kind of the, they sort of argue that the golden era of kids TV shows stopped when other TV channels started kind of joining and we've got like Cartoon Network and, you know, satellite TV came a thing. I do think with Bananas and Pajamas, it had been very much, you know, we probably had like merchandise of it. And Wait, are we going to do a little jingle? Like quiz? Oh, yeah. Quiz, oh, it's quiz, your turn to do the quiz. 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 Yeah. quiz, 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 quiz. Quiz, 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 quiz. Quiz. Question one. Yeah. Hello, we have Gemma here. Are you going to try and do a Chris Tarrant impression? <laughs> is someone going to start, is Meg going to start coughing when I kind of go through all that? Is there multiple choice? I hope there You've is. You've got three choices. Uh, phone a friend, 50-50. <laughs> or ask the audience. No, I can't do it. Michael Sheen's amazing, isn't he? I have forgotten watching quiz. That is Michael Sheen. I'm just like, he's incredible. What colours were the outfits in Bananas and Pajamas? It was blue and white. Correct. Hey. Question two. Yes, I'm, I'm ready for question two. How old is Jacqueline Wilson? She's one of those people that's looked old forever. No offence, nice. <laughs> no offence, Jacqueline Wilson. I think it's because I was young. So she um, started out as a writer on the evening. She left school. She was dropped out of school when she was 16. See, I've got all of these other facts. She dropped out of school when she was 16. And then she worked on the Evening Standard. And then she worked on Jackie magazine. Oh. Which is was a huge kind of deal. That magazine was a huge, huge kind of teen magazine. I want to say in the 60s. I think she's older than my mum. Or maybe the same age as my mum. No, I think she's older than my mum. 
I'm gonna have to push you for an answer. I'm gonna say. Is it A? Oh, have you done multiple choice? Okay. 58. Okay. B. I was gonna say 64. 74. Oh. C. 62. I'm gonna go for 62. Final answer? She's all. The thing is, like, she's always. She's. She looks the same now as she did when I met her. I swear. And that was a long time ago. Yeah, I'm gonna say. I would have said she's in her sixties. Gemma. Yeah. So you had sixteen thousand pounds. Right. <laughs> You're gonna write a check for me. Am I gonna I've like try and get it from you? I've written a check for sixteen thousand pounds. I don't want to give you that. I'm gonna rip that up. This is a check for thirty-two thousand pounds. You've answered 62. Yeah. I can reveal. After the break. Ah, no, so it's 74. Really? Yeah. It was B74. So Because I know she's still writing. Yeah. She's so busy. I'm worried about her now. She should, she should, she should, you know, have a nice long holiday. And the final question is, what year did Tracy Beaker published okay the show came out in 2002 it wasn't Jackie Wilson's first book I'm pretty sure it was her first book was it her first book I don't think it was her first book I'm gonna say 1997 do I have multiple choice a okay 1997 really are you just saying that because I said it 1994 or C 1991 I'm sticking with my original answer. Or have you just kept that in there because I guessed it? <laughs> it's one of the answers. Okay, I'm sticking with my original answer. You sure? Oh, have I got them all wrong apart from the bananas and pajamas one? I've given you. Is that your final answer? Yeah, it's my final answer. You're wrong. Oh, for God's sake, what is it? So 91. the story of Tracy Beaker was first published in 1991. Oh. You got one out of three. That's terrible, isn't it? Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you're all holding up okay. We will be back next week with another episode. And if you've made it this far, why don't you go a little bit further? Why don't you share the episode on Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you want to do that, we would be very appreciative. Lots of people at the moment now are looking for podcast recommendations. Recommend us. Yes, please do. And you can rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And yeah, I think that's everything from us. So have a lovely week and you'll be hearing from us very soon. So I hope you're staying safe and staying indoors and I hope you're all doing okay. We'll see you next week. Bye. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bug off.